Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Done some outstanding things. And um, we just want to celebrate that. The, the, you know, it's, it's a fact that those things that you celebrate, you repeat. And uh, we want to continue to just repeat uh, all the good things that God hears and wants to do amongst us. So, Father, today I pray that as we open your word, that you would bless us, that you would inspire us, that you would challenge us, that you would provoke us, that you would move us forward. And Lord, that everyone here would just hear the heartbeat of the message that is for us personally today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to talk not about the corporate vision, I want to talk about the personal vision. In fact, the title of my message today is Living with Vision. Living with Vision. You know, vision is a well-used term in both schools and organizations and businesses and also in churches. It seems like over this past 20 years, it's been almost the buzzword that's been around. And so some people can easily be turned off by this phrase. It agitates, it irritates, it annoys you. I don't want to do any of that today. I just want to simply bring something of a challenge to every one of us. This week as I've been just preparing and just been praying and just been working it through sincerely, I've got lots of messages about vision, but this is something that I just felt that I wanted to write brand new. I wanted it really to be the heart of that every one of us would hear this message and would really lean in and for us to begin to, you know, get a vision from our lives. God wants to do something amazing in and through us. You know, people lack purpose. You might be one of them here today. You lack a sense of purpose. It may be that you don't feel valued. You have a poor self-worth. I often think that, you know, the lack of value and self-worth comes as a result of there's two things that we want to always make sure that is established in the pastoral heartbeat of, of Arena Church. There are two things. Everybody needs to be needed yeah. and everybody needs to be known. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about being needy. You know, we, 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 must, we must try and throw off, as we've heard today, throw off those chains of being needy. But listen, everybody needs to be needed. Yeah. I like to be called dad by my kids. Yeah. My eldest daughter, as many of you know, is now married and, you know, got a, you know, just developing a lovely marriage, her and Jonathan, and it's their life. It's this, they've got to work it through. But I also do like the fact that at times I get a phone call, dad, anybody know what I'm talking about? It just gives that sense of, yeah, my dad's doing it as well because he gets the phone call. You know, it's, 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 it's good to feel like you're needed. And let me tell you, every single person here is needed. Whether you feel like your body is just, you know, dying on you. Whether you feel like you're old and grey. I want to say that you are needed. You, 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 you still have something to contribute into the life of the church. I actually was talking to my mum about a context and she just encouraged somebody said, although you may not uh, be where you want to be and you're not able to do what you used to do, you can still pray. Yeah. You can still pray. That is something you can do. And, and, I, and I just triggered something in me again that everybody needs to be needed. You are needed here. Have you got that? Nudge the person next to you or be kind to them and just say, you're needed. The second thing is this, 
really, really, really important. And I love the fact that there's a lot of buzz around the room. There's a lot of energy in the room, but you are needed. But the second thing is you are known. Now, you may not be known by me, because the reality is now, and one of the things that we'll celebrate with literally hundreds of people that we're handling, handling across both campuses, and lots of young people and seniors and all kinds of things happening. I mean, if I can say we're gathering hundreds, we're influencing thousands. It's quite remarkable. And I don't know all of them. I don't know all of them. But the point is we want everybody to be known. And how you do that is by getting in a serving team or getting in a small group. You know, this is wonderful and we must not forsake the gathering together. But this is not really the sum total of it all. We want you all in groups. We want you to be in a group with, you know, just a dozen more people that you can just be known. You can be known in that group. Are you hearing me today? Because it's impossible as we grow, that as, and we're believing for more campuses and more expressions and, you know, more facilities. And it's just going to be impossible to know everybody, but I want to make sure that everybody is known. Are you hearing me? So nudge the person next to you and say, you're known. And if you don't know who they are, just find out who they are. <laughs> I honestly believe that if you're just leaning into those two phrases, we almost could stop. And some of you'd say, I'd like you to, so we can get home earlier, but I'm not about to. <laughs> we could stop there that you're needed and you're known. And, you know, as you begin to just lean into those phrases, they're not just buzzwords. They're at the very heart of arena. Everybody is somebody at the arena. Everybody. No matter where you are and where you've come from. Honestly, with all, our, all of our hearts, we mean it. And if you just lean into those two phrases, and I believe what will begin to happen is something begins to stir in your heart of what could there be more for me? And that's what I want to just address today because honestly, as I've been preparing over this, I just have an incredible passion. Uh, you, know, you know, many of you know me. I, I, I'm just, I can't help myself. The, 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 more, the, more, um, the more passionate I get, the louder I become. Um, you know, I start to spit everywhere, so just watch out. Uh, I, just, I just get pretty pumped up and pretty amped up. I do it about the football because I support the greatest football team who lost last night. Um, I support England when we go to the uh, World Cup, yes. Even though the Scots here and Irish and Welsh, I'm still supporting the English. You know, I, I, I'm just, I just get passionate about sport and life and my family. And, you know, I just do. And it's just, it's just who I am. But one passion that I have is to see everybody just walk into a life of blessing. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about happiness, fulfillment, a sense of purpose. It, 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 it upsets me when the kids, Isaac and I normally just sat when we go to Meadow Hall, my dad likes to call it Mither Hall uh, or Moody Hall or whatever he wants to call it. But Meadow Hall up in, up in Sheffield, the kids are in Zara and just doing all that they do. And that's great with Caroline. And Isaac and I just tend to sit on a bench outside. And it saddens me when I see people walking by. When you look into their eyes. You see a lack of purpose. You've got them in your office. You, you, you walk to school with people. They're talking to you, but there's nothing behind it. I, I, I want to, in arena, make sure that 
We're living with a sense of purpose. I want people to become all that they can be. And if, and if one of the things that I really do believe that the Lord has given me, you know, some people talk about life messages, which is just sometimes can be an excuse for laziness to not get another message. But one of the things that I really believe with all my heart is that God gave me is that whole thought of lifting lids. Some of you now on staff, you've li- I've tried to endeavor by God's grace to lift lids off you, to say there's more in you. Call out the more in you. You can do more. You can go get it. You can build that business. You can build that marriage. You can build that career. You can build that ministry. You can build a life of devotion to God. Well, there's about three of you who believe that and they're getting pumped up. This is, this is what I'm talking about. The whole thing of lifting lids over people's lives because no matter who you are or where you've come from what age group what category you're in whether you've been in prison or not been in prison whether you're rich or poor whether you're black or white whether you're educated or uneducated whether you didn't finish school or went to university I'm really not bothered I believe that God wants to lift every one of us wants to do something to every single one of our lives I do with all my heart I do with all my heart I want, I want kids to be blessed. We were doing an early morning, just prayer and Josh was leading us and Ezra was there and Judy was there. Let me encourage you, those who've got kids, grandkids, get them in church. I'm telling you, something washes over them. I was, as Josh was praying, I should have been listening to his prayer, but I was too busy watching Judah and Ezra. And I thought, no, the word came to me, it's washing over them. This prayer is washing over them. They have no idea what's going on. But it's washing over them. I was put in environments like that as a kid. Something washed over me. Still washing over me. So those who've got kids and grandkids, I know that at times you have to get them here and they can mis- misbehave. I get all that, but get them here. Are you hearing me? Get them here. Say to, your, say to your son, your daughter, I'll bring the grandkids. I'll get them off your hands for a couple of hours. Bring them here. Look after them while they're here. But let something just wash over them. You know, too many people just get by by existing, surviving. Helen Keller, the great American author, you'll know this, once said, the only thing worse than being blind uh, blind is having sight but no vision. You know, God spoke to Abraham. He was pretty fed up with God because God had promised him a child and it hadn't been forthcoming and God had originally said to him, look, you're, you're, you're just going to fill this earth with your, with, your, with your children. Nothing happened. And he was pretty fed up and there was a conversation. You'll read it in Genesis in chapter 15. This is what God said to him. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky. It's Genesis 15 verse 1 to 5. I'm just paraphrasing it. But he said this. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. You know, this world, and you felt it and I felt it because I live in this world. If you don't handle yourself right and just keep your mind renewed, it squeezes you. I mean, give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. It just squeezes you. It try and presses down on you. Just give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. It presses down on you. It forces you down. But God is saying, lock up. There are some things that I want to show you. There are some things that I want to do in you. Because God has not planned for you just to survive. In fact, he wants you to thrive. You know, he wants you to thrive with a vision personally in your marriage. You may have been divorced. You may have been a bad divorce. 
But there's a relationship that God is leading you into. And start to get a vision for it. You know, you might not have raised your kids as you wanted to, but now you've got a second chance with your grandkids. Just begin to pour into them. Believe, you know, in that business, in that workplace, with your resources, with your health, that you're going to get a vision. And what I want to do, I want you to just for a moment, just lean in to a passage of scripture that's quite unusual. It's a well-known story, but not often people preach from it, not what I've heard. And it's found in Mark in chapter 8. And I want to just use this as the basis as we look at living with vision. It's found in Mark in chapter 8 and verse 22 and through to 26. And, you know, we've got it on the screens, but if you've got it in your Bible, please turn with me. And it reads something like this. Then he came to Bethesda, and this is talking about Jesus. And they brought a blind man to him, and they begged him to touch him. And so Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes, which is pretty gross, but this is what the Bible records, and he put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And the man replied, he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. Notice the word look up twice. This is where we've got to get a sense of vision as we look up. And the Bible records this blind man was restored. But notice the language, these three words. And he saw everyone clearly. Just nudge the neighbor next to you and just use that word. I want to resonate in your mind and in your heart. Clearly, clearly. And he saw everyone clearly. Then Jesus sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now there are many stories, that Bible stories, healings of Jesus that are often repeated through the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They are the accounts of Jesus' life as how Jesus lived. And most of them, as I say, are repeated. But this particular story, this is the only account you get it in Mark in chapter 8. It's an interesting story for me because commentators have really debated about this passage. Why, why did he need to send him out of the town? Why did he lead him out to do a miracle? Questions like this that you wouldn't necessarily think you read, but I get behind the text and think, why did Jesus take him out? Well, commentators believe because Jesus was just wanting to keep everything on the lowdown and he knew that if he was in a city, that everybody would hear about it. That's why Jesus was constantly saying to people, now I've touched you, don't go and tell anybody about it. They did. Now it might have been reverse psychology, I don't know. But it's an interesting story. But the main thing that the commentators really, really grapple with here is why did Jesus need to pray for him twice? Surely one word from Jesus is enough. Was Jesus' prayer not powerful enough? Did Jesus not have enough faith in that moment? Was the man's faith an issue? Let me tell you, none of those things are the case. Jesus' prayer, one word from Jesus. My goodness. 
is enough. If you get a word from Jesus this morning, I think we've had a word from Jesus. That's all you need. It's enough. Can I hear an amen? It's got nothing to do with Jesus' faith. faith. We're talking about Jesus who became fully man, laid down his Godhead, but he was so in tune with the Father. He was a man of incredible faith. And the Bible doesn't record it was about the man's faith because I think it would have done. I think the real reason behind there is that we need to understand something that's really, really important. It's not about faith. It's not about powerful prayers, but it's about clarity. You say, really? Yeah, the point of this story is this. Jesus wants us to see clearly. Because we notice here that initially he saw men like trees walking. He was seeing, but he was not seeing clearly. You see, here's a phrase for us to understand. We see, but often we are not seeing clearly. Does that resonate with anybody? We can see, but we are not seeing clearly. Oh, my wife, sometimes it just frustrates me. Because I'm saying it because she's out the door now. and She's downstairs in the kitchen. You know I go into the cupboard. We've got a cupboard where we put all our, all our shoes. My shoes go on the top shelf and everybody has a shelf because, of course, there were six of us. Now there's five. There's a lot of shoes and boots and all kinds of stuff. And I'll sometimes say, who's moved my shoes? I can't find my shoes. Where are my shoes? You know where I'm going with this, ladies, don't you? I can't find them. They're not there. Caroline says, yes, they are there. I'll put them there myself because you didn't move them. Oh, okay. You know. <laughs> I know that they're, no, they're not there. And this is all going on in our house where God abides. Yes, praise be to God. Don't tell me it doesn't happen in your house as it happens in my house. She'll walk to the cupboard. I'll say, you won't find them. And she does this. Are these the shoes you're looking for? Anybody know what I'm talking about, ladies? Men, does anybody know what I'm talking about here? I say you have magically, she's like the David Copperfield of, our, of Hina. She's magically just produced them out of her. I say you had those behind your back when you went there. Happened recently, let me tell you another story. I couldn't find my wallet. I'm forever losing my wallet. And I'd even bought a little wallet so it could fit in my jacket easily because it used to frustrate me, this big wallet that I had. So we got this little wallet. She says, now you'll never have to lose it. I said, that's wonderful, Caroline. Anyway... Sure enough, where's my wallet? It was early morning. She says, I don't know, you had it. I says, well, I can't find it. I said, you must have had it. <laughs> don't you start blaming me. I haven't had your wallet. It's your wallet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was kicking off all over the place. And anyway, I says, well, I've got to go. I was going to be late for a meeting. I've got to go. So I couldn't find it. I says, I'm going to have to cancel the cards, but I'll sort it when I come back. Because I was absolutely assured that I'd lost this wallet she comes back had drive in the car she says have you found the wallet i said to her have you found this wallet that's right have you she says no it's not here i says we need to get it cancelled then anyway i just kick him his shoes off she goes out to the car she opens the door she reaches down she shuts the door she says he walks through the front is this what you're looking for You see, we can see, but we're not seeing clearly. Are you getting me? 
We can see, but we're not seeing clearly. We don't see clearly sometimes because we can have a wrong perspective very quickly. You know, some things get hidden and out of focus because of external influences. The opinions of others can help us to not see clearly. Don't believe everything that you hear. Don't believe that everything that's told, said to you. You have to discern between that which is truth and that which is lie. And that which is God and that which is too much cheese. We can have a wrong perspective because of our education, the standpoint. You know, some of us are over-educated, if I can say this. Now, is it possible? We just try and work it through with a Greek mind. Trying to figure everything out. Now, I want to say, please don't leave your brains at the doors. Let's have a lot of questions. Let's figure some things out. We want to fuel academia. But we also want to fuel the faith and life of God. There are some things that we don't have easy answers for. But we can easily get a loss of perspective because of education. And we can also have a wrong perspective because of what we've experienced our upbringing. Our upbringing. Just because she was raised that way doesn't necessarily mean that it was correct. It could have been highly dysfunctional. I'm not making statements to, to anybody. I'm just saying generally. You know, and it can give us a wrong perspective which doesn't help us to see clearly. Here's another thing. We allow fear to blind us, to trick us, and to limit us. So this fear that's there, you know, takes hold of our sight and causes us to play safe. It makes us fear loss and failure. So we won't move into them more. Or we allow our insecurities. We care what others think about us too much. You know, through a lack of clarity, by not seeing clearly, listen to me, we can miss some beautiful moments. We can miss outstanding opportunities. And we can miss some divine moments. You know, everyone has been given gifts, some more than others, but it's our responsibility to steward them. Now, how do we steward them? Well, we steward these gifts by surrendering them, by submitting them to God. I say this because the Bible is very, very clear in Jeremiah 29, if you need to be convinced. In verse 11, it says, for God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Just to leave that on the screen just for a moment, that phrase. You know, God has carefully laid out plans for every single person. He's laid out a vision for every single person. Listen to me. You have been uniquely created and our lives have been uniquely designed. Your paths have been uniquely orchestrated. Are you hearing me? I believe this stuff with all my heart. I really do. I believe that God has got something laid out for every single one of us. But we allow the lack of clarity to steal away from us. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says this, Commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust them to Him. And then he says, And your plans will succeed. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will succeed And then, sorry, in the Amplified Version, it says, if you respond to his will, 
and to his guidance. I believe that's a really important caveat that's in there in the Amplified. Sorry, yeah, if we've got the Amplified on. Commit your works to the Lord, submit and trust them to him, and your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and to his guidance. I say that because oftentimes I hear people who say, I'm in the will of God, and clearly it's their will. It's not God's will, it's their will. It's their choices. But I honestly believe that if we will submit our lives to his will and to his guidance, then God promises that our plans will succeed. You see, he has a will and a plan for your life. And we must not live out of our will and our desires. Some people would say, okay, Christian, well, how does that work out? I was with a group of leaders on Monday and one of the leaders began to just talk to me about Two young men in his church in a northern town, not the greatest of places. One young man decided that he wanted to win a sports scholarship into America. And his immediate response was, that will never happen. But he didn't want to say that to him. But he just said, well, pray about it and work hard. Sure enough, this man, this young man, won a fully paid scholarship, sports scholarship, in America, in the colleges. He then began to tell me about another young man who was in his church. And he says, and he came to me and he says, you know, he didn't give much of a background, but just trying to think into it. I don't think this guy was from, potentially from an outstandingly educated family. But this young man, can you believe it, a bit of a geek by this, by this pastor's confession said, his desire was that he wanted to be a mathematician. So he wanted to be a mathematician. And again, he said to the pastor, I have a desire to be a mathematician. He went, okay. He says, you know, maths is hard, but we're talking about a mathematician here. We're talking about much, you know, more difficult stuff here. Anyway, this young man, again, clear sense of God's leading, going to work hard, getting a vision for his life, applied to Princeton, one of the top universities in the States, and was accepted to study mathematics. By the way, there was a mathematical equation that nobody had been able to answer. He got there and answered this mathematical equation. I mean, for some that's lost in you. For others, that's a big, big deal. He then comes back and he he decides that God's began to stir something in him about of a theological understanding. So he went to Mattersea and he's going through theology and he's now going to take, take an applied theology degree. What am I saying to this? This is a young man who's just got a vision in his heart to just do something great for Jesus. He's wanting to, he's figured out his life. He's got a sense of clarity and clearness and he's moving forward. You know, we must figure out what we want to be and be the best that we can be. Can I hear an amen? God has got a plan for everyone of our lives. He says in 2 Corinthians, and for those who are here with us, with, with Michael Murphy, use one of my favorite passages that I've preached from many, many times from the message. And it talks, Paul's addressing the church at Corinth, and he says, Dear, dear Corinthians, you know, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. There's two questions there. Who fenced you in? Who fenced you in? And who made your lives small? I think those are two questions that we must ask ourselves here personally. 
Not for the church. Are you living your lives as large as God wants them to live? I'm not talking about boisterous and out there being on the stage, you know, a song and dance routine. I'm not talking about, talking about a big life. If you feel like your life has been fenced in, who fenced you in? Remove all those limits and limitations and lids and walk into all that God has for you. What do you see about your life? Listen to me, just because it's bad today, I want to declare and prophesy, it can be glorious tomorrow. Your past may have been marked by pain and disappointment. Am I speaking to anybody here? But this does not mean that your future has to be. God has plans to prosper you and to fulfill you. Can I hear a resounding amen? So back to the story of Mark in chapter 8 as we just conclude. Because we see that the, the comment was made, I see men walking as trees. And Jesus, once again, puts his hands on the man's eyes and his eyes were opened. And the Bible records his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly, clearly. I have the unfortunate problem of needing to wear glasses all the time. Anybody else who... And I say that because it's frustrating, not because of the look, it's frustrating because... You're forever getting marked when it rains, the mist up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's water dripping down. It's just a little bit frustrating at times. You get over it. It doesn't bother me in that sense. But, you know, it's just something that you have to do. I always have to carry a hanky around with me. But sometimes I'm not seeing as clearly as I need to. And I have to get a tissue or a cloth. And I have to wipe my glasses by the way, I'm squinting now at you because I literally cannot see you. My eyesight is so bad. It really is. But once I've done clean them, you see, I was seeing, but now I'm seeing. Whoo! My goodness, you are good looking, aren't you, you guys? <laughs> this guy's better, better looking than this side. But anyway, or is it? Oh, oh no, no. Actually, actually, actually. Wait on. No, no, no. Let me clean them again. Yeah, let me clean them again. Let me get myself out of trouble, Chris. We see things clearly. Let me get to it because of time. I started to think about this word clearly about vision. This is really important. I hope it comes across well. This isn't a history lesson and I wouldn't normally do this. But I just delved into the original text. This word clearly. I wanted to understand was it just clearly or was there something deeper behind it? And there was. The Greek word is telagos. Telaugos, and they pronounce it just like that, Telaugos, because I did a click on the computer and it actually uh, told me how to pronunciate it, Telaugos, I like saying it, Telaugos, okay, I'll, I'll stop now. But this, the interesting thing is it's on the nose, this is the only time that this word is used in the New Testament, that is quite unusual. Because, of course, the word clearly comes in a number of times. But this is the only time that this word is actually used. And what's more interesting about it is it has a double punch meaning. Because it means to see in the distance and in the present all at the same time. 
It uses the phrase of seeing in the difference, and he's talking about eternity. But it's also at the present time because it's the use that they would often, word they would use for daybreak, the now, the present of what God is wanting to do. That really got me thinking, you know, about the vision that God is wanting to give to every single one of us. Because I realize that people can either live for the moment with little or no thought for the future, or they become consumed with the future with no thought for today. But our lives, listen to me, should be intentionally lived today with our eyes on eternity. So we're living in today, but we have an eternal perspective. The Bible says in Matthew 6 verse 9, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's a sense in which this blind man was now seeing clearly. He wasn't just seeing the immediate. He was seeing eternity. This is the vision that God started to give to him. He says now he clearly saw, not just now, but he could see ahead. The vision that God is wanting to give to us, the clarity that God is wanting to give to us, is not just for now. It's now in light of eternity. How are we living our lives in light of eternity? There is an eternity to come. There is an eternity to come either in the presence of God or outside of God's presence. And we believe that stuff here. We believe there is a heaven and we believe there is a hell. We're not a a church that calls down fire and brimstone on you. If you're new here today, please. Forgive me just for a moment for using those phrases, but that is the reality of the Bible. And by the way, God never sends anybody to hell. He's provided everything for people to come into a relationship with him. Through his son, Jesus. And his love, he speaks love over you, not damnation and judgment. (laughs) So here's the thought. What has God been asking you to do? What has he called you to do? What is he trying to get you to see? Why do you live your lives in such a small way? Mark Batterson, who's a renowned author, an American pastor, coined the phrase, a change of pace plus a change of place equals a change of perspective. I want to say that this 21 days that we've just been through may have done that in some of you. A change of pace, a change of place. And there's a new perspective that's come because it's at this place of perspective that a new vision or a renewed vision is inspired again. Some of you, with this thought of living with a vision, need to in this moment begin to say, I'm going to start small. I'm going to get before God. God, what have you got for my life? What is it that you've inspired me as a young boy or a young girl? What was your leaning? What do I enjoy to do? Now, I'm not all saying jack your jobs up. I'm not saying that. But for some of you, you might have to think about having a career change. Because you're not living how God has intended you to live. That may be the, the fact. 
Because this message is not just to make us nice and cuddly and inspire us for the rest of the year. It's meant to stir something in our hearts to say, are we going to now begin to see clearly? Are we going to live both for now and for eternity? What has God given to you gifts that he's asking you to steward for him? And we must begin to start small. I believe that God wants to bring influence to people. There are going to be influence stories that are going to be over your lives. How because of what the changes you made, the clarity of vision in your heart, you brought change to many people's lives. I believe there are going to be some material stories that are going to happen this year. What do I mean by material stories? Material stories of God's blessing and favor on our lives. With you walking in and you're finally buying a house or you've got a new, new rental house or there's that business that you dreamed of starting has now begun to start. There's that new job, there's that new career, there's those new roads and new pathways that God is inspiring for us all. Have you buried your vision? Have you buried your dreams? If so... This is a day of resurrection. This is a day of resurrection. I'll say that again. Have you buried your dreams? Have you buried your visions? This is a day of resurrection. Where God wants to restore and renew and replenish your heart. You know, you've heard me say this. You have not because you ask not. And you ask not because you expect not. Listen, we need to be people who just live with clarity of vision in our hearts of what God wants to do in and through us. And we believe for a big vision for our kids and for our relationships and for our personal lives. And how that flows out to influence the lives of others. Josh has mentioned it as I finish. You know, some of you really do need some kickstart of help in this whole area. And if you've not been through growth track... If you've not been through growth track, I'd encourage you to go through growth track. Not just the third week, which is to discover your purpose. But I want to say you will just get a clearer sense of what God's wanting to do in and through you. But also we want people to know God. And to come to a point of finding freedom. I wonder if the musicians would come and join me on the stage, please. Give me a wave if you've heard my heart this morning. (laughs) I haven't touched church. We'll deal with that next week. It all flows here. I want this church to grow. We'll just say, I want this church to grow. Just give me your attention for a minute. I want this church to grow, but I want to tell you, I have such a huge shepherd's heart for you guys. For you to grow. For you to be blessed. For you to know God's blessing and you just walk with confidence in, this is who I'm meant to be. I'm not talking arrogantly, I'm talking confidently. This is who I am. I'm, I'm a blessed man. And of course, in the midst of that, you can have some hardship. Give me a wave if you... Of course we are. But we just know with a sense that God is with us. I wonder if we just bow our heads for a moment. There are some new guests here and... There's people who've been coming for many, many weeks. And I want to challenge us all, actually, in this moment, before we just finish with this service, just remain where you are. Really, really important, because otherwise all this word is just words. 
This is where we activate it. This is where we do something with the word. You might be here today and say, Christian, for the very first time, or I've been hearing it, but this is the the point of decision. I want to step into a relationship with Jesus. I want to step into a relationship with God. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want him to be central to everything in what I do in my life. And you might have felt like you were just walking in blindly, hoping that something good would happen to you. I want to tell you, it's Jesus. It's Jesus you've been looking for. While every eye is closed and head is bowed, if there's anybody who says, look, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time or a recommitment to God, I want to just give my all. We're going to keep doing it every single week, believing for lives to be changed. We won't ask you to come out to the front. We won't embarrass you. There'll be a time for you to go public. But in this moment, if you're saying, Christian, would you pray for me? I'm going to say a simple prayer in a moment. Just raise your hand where you are now. Just put your hands, hands up if you could, please. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Lady over there. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else today saying, yes, 